It embodies the tradition, the history of the game. Is it his time? Yes! It's the greatest golf tournament that we play all year. The return to glory. As a kid, you know, always dreamed about being a Masters champion. Well, here it comes. Okay then, welcome along to Major Talk here with Pinnacle, our golf podcast that we trot out only when the whiff of Grand Slam glory is in the nostrils. And let's be honest, what a time of year this is. Georgia on our minds, the white wooden clad clubhouse, the lush green grass, the traditions, the excitement and all this fuss over a green jacket, the opening men's golfing major of the year then the masters at augusta national is upon us it needs no further teeing up from me but let's get straight into pontificating who's going to be writing their name into the history books this easter sunday uh, myself james Gregg, sports broadcaster and commentator mainly on the pga tour and to give us their nuggets two of the best here on pinnacle in sophie walker former ladies european tour player sky sports analyst coach an all-round golf badger and adding that little bit of betting edge and mindset, author of the modern sports betting trilogy, and has given us some nuggets previously on the podcast here, namely picking a winner at last year's Open Championship in Cameron Smith, Brian Nicholson. Uh, welcome to you both. Uh, so much to get through, so much to think about, of course. Um, I think the best thing is, really, is just to start off, before we start going for names and telling people who we sort of fancy, is really, what are we looking for? Form is the obvious thing, and form plays its part. But any particular little stats, any particular um, trends that you may have seen throughout the PGA Tour season or the DP World Tour season, indeed, or even, dare I mention, the Live Tour season. Um, I'll start with you, Brian. What are you looking for without kind of really naming names? Obviously, feel free to use examples. But if people are trying to search for trends, where are they headed? Yeah, so I'd be really big on the, the course fit, as a lot of my followers would know. So, um I'd be looking at like the, you know, the sort of uh, premiums on the course and what sort of variables come into play the most and the key metrics, I call them. So uh, at Augusta, you're looking for, I can say, the elite bombers. They have like um, a massive advantage straight off the bat. So um, I think the last three winners actually averaged around their, their season average for driving distance between, between the three of them. It was 310 yards or something, their driving distance, distance average. And um, that's been going up and up and up over the last 20 years, 10 years, and the last three years. And, and But one big thing about that as well is actually there was a big trend of right to left players and, and drawing the ball. Um, but the last three winners have actually been big, big sort of booming failures like Matsuyama, Dustin Johnson, and uh, Scotty Scheffler then last year. So that trend has kind of gone out the window. So you're just looking at raw power more than anything else now. And then with uh, all the elevation changes and stuff at Augusta, I think the biggest, the key premium is probably the irons, the approaches, and kind of from 150 to 200 range. So you'd be looking at that sort of, that sort of, um, so if you got power off the tee and maybe 175 to 200 yard range, if you get guys up in the stats there, high up in the stats, that's what you really want to be looking at. And then, um, Usually when it comes down to the, the putting from maybe five to ten feet, because um, it's really hard to get up and down in Augusta, and it's really hard, or, or from the wrong tier of the green, even to two putt. So the, the, the balls just run out a bit, and they leave a lot of sort of four to eight feet putts. And usually the winner will be the guy who does the best in that kind of department as well. So if you can add that into the mix, 
it's kind of hard to predict who's going to have a good putting week like that because there's a lot of variance involved. But it's always good to look at the stats and that kind of thing as well, you know. All the stats available, of course, on the PGA Tour website as well. You know, you can get a really good sort of glimpse of that and a feel for that, just having a little study um, in some of those uh, segments that Brian's just mentioned. Sophie, um, you came up with a great shout last year, and I love this. And it's the fact that players who do well traditionally at Riviera, um, the Genesis Invitational on the PGA Tour, tend to do well at Augusta National. Great. I, I tell everybody that. I always give you credit as well, by the <laughs> way. But why does that ring true? And and also any anything else that you're kind of looking out for? Well, there's another one this year that I've added, uh, Riviera and Pebble Beach. If you look at the winners around Pebble Beach, um, Masters winners past and present, uh, DJ, VJ Singh, Phil Mickelson, they're second shot golf courses. So what we've just been talking about, they're the uneven lies that you get around these golf courses. You get them at Augusta National. Um, the size of the greens at Pebble Beach and at Riviera are very small. Now, Augusta has large greens, but you have to hit into a certain part of those greens. So if you've got a huge green, you can break that into maybe quarters at Augusta and you have to hit that one quarter. So small greens, Pebble Beach, Riviera, and that artistry that you need around those two golf courses. There's not a golf course in the world other than Augusta where you need it more, I don't think. And the history that surrounds Riv and Pebble, the history that surrounds Augusta National. It's been there nearly 90 years now and, and everybody wants to win it. And mm. that is why that there's certainly course fits. I look into a little bit more of, of a, the players, how they're playing coming into it. Now, you, you can find this, like you were saying, on the, the PGA Tour stats. You need to have some form. You need to have won somewhere in the last year. You don't want to be finding form at Augusta National. The last eight winners were all ranked inside the top 11 on the PGA Tour scoring average coming into Augusta National. So if we're looking at the cream of the crop, the, the first place, that's where you've got to be looking at. And you do, for winners, you have to be looking at that top 40 in the world. There's only been two winners in recent times that have been outside that top 40. That you know, Scotty Scheffler winning last year, he was on such a run coming into the event. Dustin Johnson, the same when he won. You are looking at real powerhouses, whereas sometimes at the Open, the US Open, you can get a slight surprise winner. I just don't see that at Augusta National. I think just, John, John Roberts actually leading the strokes again total as well. So looking on, on them, and if you look at like Rory and that, they're all they're all you know, top top uh, top of the birdie stats on the par fives and. I'm just looking at all the kind of key metrics at the moment and all the big names are all over the top of it. So, you know, it's going to be very hard for kind of a lesser player to break through this week anyway, definitely, I think. Certainly. And you know what? I was going to kind of almost reverse that question in many ways and say, what is there to put us off some of the star names? I'm thinking, if Pete, why would we not back Rory McIlroy? Barring the odds being obviously relatively short, we've got yeah. him as, as favourite um, on Pinnacle. Um, narrowly 
favourite. He's at 8.4 ahead of Scotty Scheffler, who's at 8.6 on the odds at pinnacle.com at time of recording. So why are we? Why would we go away from from someone like that? I mean, actually, outside of your top three, your McElroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, I think the odds are all okay. You know, Jordan Speed's a previous winner there. He's your fourth favourite at 18. So actually, I'm kind of just negating my whole question here, but why would you not back one of those top three? Well, funny enough, it's not, I wouldn't be a favourite backer generally, but I actually can't find any reason not to back the, three, the top three guys this week. Um, Rory is actually, I think he's got his best chance ever to get the, the Grand Slam this week. You know, it's a perfect fit for the course, the big high tower and draw. And he's got, um, I think he took an inch or half an inch off his driver last week, which was helping him drive it. He said even even longer, but he was keeping it much straighter as well. He's, I think he'd be using the TP, uh, TP5, the TP5, the tailor-made balls, isn't he? And um, he has the stealth, instead of stealth two driver, or stealth plus driver, he has a stealth um, five wood as well, I think, in the bag. He's changed the putter up, and he's just got everything going this week. So, And I get, like I said, if you look at his, his stats, the key stats, he's He's all over the par five scoring. He's leading the driving distance in 326.6. And that's like way longer than the average, even of the last three. I think Scheffler was, or Dustin Johnson was 314 or something like that. Right. So um, I just think Rory is actually the man to be, even though John Ram as well is, is up there in the stats. I think Scheffler is, um, Scheffler needs the GIR, the Greens yeah. Regulation. So, but Rory just has everything going this week. I think even the forward momentum and I just, I, I can't even put you off back in him and around whatever he is there, uh, 8.4. I think yeah. it's, it's bad, to be honest, yeah. I need a yeah. top three. You know what? It's um, There's also the rumour, Sophie will have heard this as well, is that um, he had 19 putts in a practice yeah. round last week in Augusta. Um, went up with a couple of guys and, and yeah, 19 putts apparently. So, um, and that was the rumour. And he was asked about it in a post-round interview last week and at the match play and he sort of, you know, didn't really sort of deny it. So, so that tells you that you know he's he's probably feeling secretly pretty good. I think he, said he played fifty four holes or something, and he said two of those rounds are really good or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sophie, you asked a reason maybe not to, and I think there is a reason to to look closely on on the Rory thing. It's definitely nothing to do with his golf game. This is the career Grand Slam that's on offer. He's been trying to do this since 2015, right? Mm. And he hasn't. Augusta National, the Masters, is the first major of the year. He has to wait since, like, last summer. We all talk about it. We all build it up. The second thing is Liv. He is the man for the PGA Tour that defends the PGA Tour. He's a Pied Piper, and the press conferences will be quite intense. This is the first time we've seen Liv and PGA Tour come together since the last major, but things have changed since then. You know, lawsuits are coming out. And his opening rounds, keep an eye out for that. If Rory can get a half-decent opening round, level par even, then look to maybe back him from there. His trouble is that opening round, he, he did fix it a little bit towards the end of last year. But remember the Masters last year when he came second. If he hadn't have had a poor opening round, things would have been very different. So I would look to maybe back Rory late 
to see what this press conference is like, to see how the animosity is will live, to see how much he's got to talk about it and maybe see after the opening round and then lump on. Nice. I like that. I like that indeed. Yeah, this, look, that's true. You know, you don't have to bet before the tee, first tee shot struck on Thursday morning. You know, you can you can obviously kind of have a little workout. That's a really good tip with Rory McIlroy. Um, fast starters as well. And also somebody that actually just kind of, you know, we'll start throwing a few names into the ring now, shall we, guys? We'll, we'll come on to Liv, because obviously you talked about Liv there, Sophie, a little bit. And there's some some names that, if you look back at 12 months ago, some of the names that we were sort of touting who have gone to live golf um, are at much longer odds 12 months on. And that's something we just spoke about before we actually press record on this podcast is the fact that you've got Cameron Smith out at 20s. Is it good value? Who knows? You know, we don't know yet, do we? Because he's not been playing um, at the top top level, if you like, you know, without kind of, um, you know, holding any, any bars really or pulling any punches. Last year, he was coming into this as the players' champion. He was hotly fancied. Everybody was talking about Australians who traditionally do well um, at uh, Augusta, and he was he he was red hot. He was red hot. He was right up there on the leaderboard. Obviously, went on to win the Open later on in the year. Out at twenties, remember this guy's the most recent major winner. But have we seen him play much golf since? No, we haven't. And we saw him play the PGA Tour playoffs, and after that. You know, who who really knows? You know, his golf on the live circuit hasn't been the best. Um, there's some other names as well from from Live that have have been um, you know, their odds have just lengthened hugely by virtue of the fact we don't really have any kind of measurement of how their golf is going, stats wise, etc. In terms of um picks, what about somebody like a Jason Day? Because Augusta has this way of just invoking something in a player that you see year upon year, it just brings out the best in a player. Jason Day is somebody who's traditionally competed well at the Masters and also trending in the right direction this season on the PGA Tour. It's got to be said, four top tens. Sophie Walker, um, give me some more names. And also, if you don't like Jason Day, tell me why. Well, no, I did like Jason Day. I put it on Twitter recently uh, saying J Day Masters, but then he started to play a bit too well and I don't know what his odds are like for it. You have to be careful with his back. Um, but looking at the weather, it doesn't look too bad, looks reasonably warm. Um, so that's certainly certainly going to help. Um, if you're into like proper, like it's meant to be stuff, Jordan Spieth in 2021 won on Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. Texas Open. The next year, Easter Sunday, won the Heritage. The Masters falls on Easter Sunday, everybody. Is it time for the prodigal son to return? And he's got demons as well. So um yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go towards speed ahead of uh day. And you wouldn't say that in the way that they played recently, but Augusta does do things to some people. And yeah, I would always just keep having a look at the players that do all right there. Um, Jay Day, somebody like Corey Connors, his odds will be, I don't know what his odds are, but he's had three top tens in a row there. Players that just come back and seem to do okay. Justin Rose is another one that that comes in and 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 does all right. I just find it amazing that I, I'm with you guys. To, to win, I can't look past one, two and three in the world. 
normally I'm like, well, you know, somebody, I honestly can't look past them. I think now we're looking at like also runs and good value for each ways. It's, um, it's interesting you mentioned those names because Justin Rose is out at 66ers with us on Pinnacle and Corey Connors is at 77s. And if he's had three top 10s at Augusta, that is not to be sniffed at at all. Form. Yeah, I'd probably have Justin above him. I watched Justin at the Players' Championship and he's mm. hitting his driver really, really well, long as well. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably edge Justin over Corey, unless Connors does something this week in Texas. Correct, where he has won before as well. So you just never know, might sort of start tickling his form in the right direction, uh, in the right sort of time of the year to do it. Uh, Brian, um, we'll start throwing some names in there. Uh, I know that you're probably itching to get some out, so so go for it. Well, I'm just going to start on the, on the course history thing, actually. So at Augusta, course history and course knowledge is actually way more important than in a lot of sort of average PGA Tour events. Uh, the data we're going to show you is like 0.1, per hole or something, it's it's worth to guys who have a you know a strong course history or strong course knowledge. But at Augusta that's not true. It's just like uh it's gonna weigh more than that. And there's a good sort of story with Shane Lowry. So three years ago he was in, in an interview and he just made the cut. He think he battled to make the cut on the number and he was he, he was talking in the interview and he was saying how important it was to make the cut and he really just wanted to make the cut to get two more days in practice. He actually, he actually said that himself. So he said he was talking about just he had a little like a two foot putt or something and he could be put the he actually read it completely the wrong way. So he went to the right and it was actually breaking the other way, just a two footer, like or whatever. And he said, But there's a shot right there, if you know what I mean. And he said he just wanted to get the two more rounds of practice in. And then he came back the next year, and I think he was twenty first. And then the following year after that, he progressed again. That was I think he came third that year or something, he even had a chance to win last year. But that was all due to just playing more, he said, and um there's never a truer word spoken. Like, that's why people like Bob Watson, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Speed, as Sophie said, um, they always come and Justin Rose even. He was, and Brant Snedeker was another one, actually. He used to talk about just playing strategically and very find the greens and, you know, avoiding the short side and that kind of stuff because you, it's really hard to get up and down in Augusta, which actually puts more of a premium on the approach. You know, so if you, like I said earlier, if you're off the green, even Patrick Cantley is a great example of that. He's, he's, he's got a course fit through the roof. Cantley, I'm looking there, is like, he's um, 9.5 on, you know, my uh, famous course phenometer, but he hasn't really put, pulled out, he had minus eight a few years ago, he shot one around, but the, the main reason why he's not doing it is because he's he's not doing as usual, getting up and down from all over the place. So, almost, um, yeah, almost yeah, identical it, odds he is, by the way, to um, uh, Justin Thomas and a show play just outside, it's got sort of 22s with Pinnacle. Yeah. I think Jason Day was at yeah, 25.8 there, and he's actually, he is one I like, is he loves the course, he's, he's long, he's got the draw, great short game, and when he's when he's, when he's putting his on, he's one of those that from around the 10-foot range, he, he just holds everything. And I think I had some stats there, and they actually was, uh, he was he was 12th in strokes game total last year, so even before that, the figures started showing it, he's actually been coming into form more, and I know Sophie's saying saying his odds are a little bit skinnier than you might like, but uh, that's still okay to have a go at. Like, but um, I think the guy I was actually looking at was Sam Burns. I think I said that like a few weeks ago in the first, one of the first emails, and I was actually raising that he did so well last week in the um, in the match play, but he didn't. His odds didn't reduce that much. I think they went. It was available kind of fifties in some places, 
And he's around 33s now at Pinnacle. He is... He's 37.6, which actually is not yeah, too yeah. bad. You know, because yeah, no. usually you see with bookmakers who are... Yeah scared stiff of somebody who wins the week or two weeks before the sort of calibrating the odds. What I would say on Sam Burns is though, is that up until last week, he'd shown pretty much no signs, even defending a Valspar a fortnight yeah. ago on a course that he's won the last two seasons. He was kind of nowhere really in terms of a title defense. I think he snuck a little backdoor top 10, but even that's not enough to wriggle the odds. So Sam Burns is probably not a bad shout. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was going to tell you, was going to yeah, go ahead, Toby. Yeah, just a little bit inside knowledge on Sam Burns. So in terms of his game, like he's he's done this before where he's he done well and he's dropped off and we're like, where yeah. is he when he comes back? He's, yeah, but he, he he basically calls his coach. And um, last year they went away for like a week of intense coaching, fixed it, came back strong. This time around, I think the coach drove, like in England, this is mental, like 14 hours to come and see him. Once again, fixed his like approach game, went on to win uh, the match play. And that normally holds on for a couple of weeks with Sam. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think from from that point of view, it's it's certainly worth keeping an eye out because now he's, you know, the magic touch by the coach or all, all is good in the world. And he was kind of, um, yeah, he kind of had some, he kind of had somewhere I thought kind of what I got hidden for him, and just not really shown on the data as well. And then just go, just actually looking through his stats, he's like he's twentieth in driving distance, which is obviously very important. I actually, did when I put him in the model, he's, he comes out like nine nine point one four on the the, the, meter, the course the course fit model, and um, so a lot of that is to have near tenth and putting the last two years. So this year, and I think he was top of the putting stats last last week as well. He was minus eight for his last ten holes or something. Mm-hmm. Just when the putter's on fire, I think he tends to do it. He's five wins now, and and a lot of them kind of came, you know, close together or in two kind of spurts. And well, interestingly enough, last year he's, uh, the stat that's letting him down this year is actually his approach stats and his iron stats. But if you go back to two thousand and twenty-two, he was eighteenth in the strokes gained approach as well. So that's what he's was, fixed. That's what he's yeah. fixed. His approach, yeah. his approach play is is is, is yeah. um that's what they've been looking at is control with his face. So uh, yeah, when he's on, when he's on, he's really on. Maybe so. Uh, yeah, I, I really fancy Burns. Actually, he didn't make the cut last, but it, it was his debut last year, and a lot of guys don't they don't make the cut on the debut, on, but. I think, yeah, he, he'd probably be my best bet. Anyway, if you can get him at, at close to 40 on Pinnacle, yeah, he'd be my best bet, I think, value-wise. In terms of talking about um, learning the course, and you obviously referenced Shane Lowry. Yeah. Interesting to see. I mean, I'm not saying absolutely go all in on Shane Lowry here, but if you look at the fact that he's got major pedigree and is now experienced in terms of playing the Masters, I reckon this is probably his eighth or ninth Masters appearance. Yeah. Um, and he's at 55s with Pinnacle. Tom Kim, debutant, 20 years old, obviously a two-time winner on the PGA Tour since he kind of burst onto the scene as a special temporary member last year. But he's shorter odds than Shane Lowry. And that just shouldn't be the case, should it really? So actually... I don't, I don't, I don't really fancy saying he's, he's not very long. long. <laughs> and he's not, he's not very long after tea either, which is I, I kind of just write those off straight away because they uh, they can't do well Zach Johnson whatever. But um, it's just a sort of massive disadvantage, and especially nowadays, with all as I said, the guys at the top they're so long, and they yeah. can use they can use the, the the big fades over the corners now as well. So you know, it, it's draw. He's, he's also got to learn the course, right? You know, that's that is yeah. a big thing. That's what you were saying. It's is is you very very rarely see a rookie or a debutant at the Masters who who 
does really well. It just doesn't happen. It, just it, take- it, it is kind of a trend that's dissipating a little bit now. There's a lot of guys that do that haven't won yet, but you know, like Minu Lee last year, even there's mm. another guy I fancy this week. He was like, I actually had a bet on him last year as top debutant, and I forgot about it. But then I saw, I think he was rallying on the Sunday. He was like five under for 10 on, on Sunday or something. And I was there to wave a bet on him. I, was like, I checked and I did. It was like a decent bet at 25 to 1 each way. And at this time, he was like um, three shots ahead of his nearest rival. So I was like, oh, sweet. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of went bogey, bogey, bogey. I think he had five bogeys in a row or something. But he still managed to, I think he was tied, three by tie for it in the end. So it was still a nice little payout. But he's another one that's a perfect game for the course. Like, by the way, he's 80, 80 he's probably bigger at Pinnacle here. He's, he's, he's at 90, 90s, 90s yeah. on Pinnacle. And also, he was really impressive at the players as well, you know, sort of yeah. went toe-to-toe with Scotty yeah. Scheffler. And actually, he, despite yeah. the fact he, he was kind of, he was fighting a bit of an uphill battle on the Sunday in the final round, he still clung on to the coattails pretty well, I thought. You know, kind of battled back after a triple bogey early on the back nine on Sunday. So he's... He, he's the yeah, he's got that mentality, hasn't he? I know it's an immeasurable, and we don't like immeasurables here on this podcast, but he, he's one of those, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, a bit of intuitive stuff was always good. Qualitative analysis. <laughs> but I like him. He's the type of guy I like for like um, first round leader or top 10 market, top top 10, top 20. So yeah, some of the sub markets I'd be definitely looking at. I mean, or even top Aussie or something like that. I don't know what the prices are there. But yeah, he's definitely one to watch this week, I think, as an outsider, yeah. Um, we did touch on this briefly in terms of kind of um, live and how the odds have lengthened by virtue of the fact that we don't really know how they're playing. Um, is this the year really to try and find a bit of value in those live guys? You know, there's some top, top players there. You'd likes of Smith, even Quacky Neiman, who had a decent showing last year. Um, and other former, I mean, we just don't know how, for example, Brooks Kepka is playing, do we? I know yeah. lots been made, you know, with all the Netflix stuff and whatever, but you know, he might be, he might have his game slightly back. Who knows? Um, Sergio Garcia, a former winner. Who knows what his game is like? I'm not saying he's going to win, but you don't know. He might be in for a decent show. All these guys' odds are way longer than if, you know, for example, last year, and also if we'd have been seeing them week in, week out on the PGA Tour with kind of measurements and, you know, seeing the form and on the yeah. range and getting a bit of a feel. And uh, Is this the year then? Is this the year, Brian, to really just kind of roll the dice a little bit? On, on yeah, I, I look at when, when there's value around, it's no harm in just sprinkling some money on all of them, kind of like. But Bryson is, the, I think, the typical example of what you were saying there. He was 12 to 1 or something last year, and everybody loved him. And he's, I'm looking at him here, he's like 80. And I don't know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't even heard from Bryson in the last whatever, like, but it could be a good thing. And he maybe stopped obsessing about the distance. And so he was going last year. I think the last two years he went, I really fancied him, but he went with like a, a new driver, a longer driver that he'd never tried before. And he was trying all things. And I think he was sick. He said one time, he found himself in all sorts of positions that I've never seen and watching the pictures of the Gusta, like in the middle of the forest that I didn't even know existed, that kind of thing. Like, so he just said, never going to win from there. He was causing himself all sorts of problems, but he just dials it back, tones it back a bit. This, you never know. He could be right up there again. Like I say, who knows what he's been up to? Maybe Sophie might know something more on those lines. He's <laughs> been on YouTube, hasn't he? The YouTube sensor. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if this, like, this, this is your risk, I suppose. This is where <laughs> you might. Um, but then because Augusta is a player fit and experience you know that the average winner is kind of into about seven or eight appearances i know things have slightly changed recently 
Um, so the, the likes of the players that have always done quite well around there, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson's, even Patrick Reed's, you know, that, but I just don't, I, I honestly can't tell you like it, it, and right now, like I like to find out the stats and how they've been playing and try and justify. I can't justify, hence why some of these odds are just plucked. The one thing I would say is Dustin Johnson has a habit of like all the stats that we put together, he kind of proves you wrong on a lot of them. Um, so he, he'd probably be my live guy that I would always look out for because I think he is one of the best players in the world and all the players on tour still say that about Dustin Johnson. Yeah, and he's at 30s on Pinnacle, former winner, of course, fairly recently as well. And I think I, I'd go, just throw it I'd go again for Cameron Smith, I think, because just for his, his course fit, like, again, he's really high on the course fit model. Um, he's over nine anyway, and he's, uh, I think he's three top fives in his last five appearances there. And in the, in the November edition, and that was softer that year, but... He, he was the first guy, I think, to shoot uh, four rounds in the 60s or something. And again, we were talking last year before the Open. He put on 15 to 20 yards or something like that. And uh, he's just, like, the course is just absolutely perfect for him. And he would be the guy, especially with a little inflated price now, he would be the guy if I was going for yeah, 20. Anyone from the Live Golf, I would definitely go for a comment to me. Maybe with a flyer on price. That's right. And, but you can't put anyone off DJ either because, like Sobey says, who knows what he's up to. He could just turn up. No problem. And he's showing what he can do on the course as well. So so I suppose that the last thing that we were looking for here on this first major talk episode of 2023 is perhaps just a bit of a, look, we're going to pick a winner shortly. I think we all know which way we're headed and it's probably towards the upper echelons of uh, the world rankings and also the uh, the odds list that we've got. But um, if we're talking like rank outsiders and we always have a bit of fun with this uh sophie you've had some really good shouts actually in the last couple of seasons on this yeah. was it stuart sink somewhere and he was like yeah. you always need to cash out with mine don't you i never, <laughs> never stay with and that's the thing the sustainability full round sustainability that's why these guys are such big outsiders, I suppose. But yeah, Stuart Sink did me really well one year. Yeah, I can't remember where that was. It might have been a US Open somewhere and he was like leading after two rounds. It was amazing. Um, I'll throw one in first of all, because it's a little bit unkind really just to throw this upon you. But I- I'm going to go, and this is, this is is there is some method behind the madness here. So talking about approach play, Tom Hoagie, very streaky putter, week in, week out on the PGA Tour, but consistently one of the finer ball strikers. And in particular, in that kind of stats column that Brian mentioned right at the top of the podcast, talking about between 150 and sort of 200 yards approach play, very, very solid, very dependable. He's played three Masters now. And this is, you know, an opportunity where I think, well, you know, he's not going to win. But then you look at his odds, he's 162 on Pinnacle at the time of recording. And you go, goodness, this bloke is like an absolute striper. And it, it, w- will he finish inside the top 10? I think he's a, I think he's a great pick for a top 10. So there you go. Have it, listeners. Tom Hoagie, he had it here first. Okay, here we go next here. We'll go, Sophie, come on, give me a rank outsider. <laughs> Well, if you've read my pinnacle, James, mine yeah. was Tom Hogan. So was it? Is that right? Well, I've in not my read it. Review. Yeah, yeah, he does stack up well. And um, right, okay, so I'm I'm now working on some 
I don't even want I don't think he'll be a rank outsider, but I think he's definitely worth a look. Um and I think he'll just be overlooked. His son JM. Okay, yeah, nice. Very consistent, isn't he? What's his odds? Um let's have a little look yeah, at Sung J. Uh, he is at 40. 40. He's 40 to one. So he's had two top tens at the Masters. He's only missed one cut in the last eight months and sits really high on that stroke average um, mm. that I was talking about. The well, only thing that it doesn't fit is he hasn't, yeah, he hasn't won in the last 12 months. So it just goes out of that model. But he's had three seconds. So he's, he, I mean, he's nearly got over the line. I, I think. I think Sunjay M for me is is a, a good good bet at forty to one, considering his world ranking and and how how consistent he is as a golfer. Okay, that's a good shout. I really like that it's, actually. He's, he's one of mine as well. He's actually four. He's four to par five birdies are better, and he's like fifteen strokes hand off the tee. And uh, yeah, his recent form or his course fit again. I think it's eight point eight eight, but. Um, that's as using approach stats from last year, and they're much better this year. So we well up over nine if I just update that a little bit. And he's got all the kind of stats even putting inside fifteen feet, and the average is fortieth. So that's that's decent, you know, for um for Augusta anyway. And yeah, just everything kind of stats. Up. It, it, for driving distance, not, his stats aren't great. But if you actually look into distance of all drives or longest drives, he's actually quite he's like thirteenth or something. He's right up there anyway. So that kind of it tells me that he might be able to get it out there if he wants, and he just turns it back, you know, for and his regular kind of thing. And that's probably why he's up there in the par fives as well. So, yeah, Burns and um, Sunday M were two of my big kind of value plays. And then another one was, was Cameron Young as well, but he's he's come down a bit after his performance last week. But um, I'd still be back in Cameron Young this week as well. He was uh, third in driving distance, I think, last year. Um, I think he's 15th in approach this year. Um, 12th and strokes gained off the tee. And again, 150 to 75 yard range. He's now third in that as well. These are kind of things that you might not know. You might, you know, I might say just Young is a big hitter, streaky putter, but now he's got, um, he's definitely got all the stats. And with the new caddy on the bag and all that, he's really confident. And I think he's going to have a really good match. Great stuff. Um, what we are going to do is now actually just pick a, um, pick sort of your outright winner really i mean i think we all know where we're kind of headed a lot of people will have hopefully picked up some nuggets if we've got to this point they'll have heard all these names being bandied around they'll know be knowing where to look picking a winner it's it's an incredibly difficult thing to do obviously pick the winner of the masters um if you were going to be given a, a lump sum and you're going to put it on somebody and you were saying right that is that that's going on them who are, you, who are you backing? Who are you putting it on? Um, because... Ladies first. Ladies first. <laughs> Is that how we're doing it? Okay. Oh, how we don't pick, I hope you don't pick my one, though. 33% chance. I think you're going to go for oh, Scheffler. Let's be fair. We're going one, two, three, aren't we? So I'll yeah. start with number one, Scott Scheffler. Okay. Yeah. Brian? Yeah, no, Rory, for me, he's just got everything. He's, uh, even with, like I said, the equipment changes and just even taking the inch off the driver and a half an inch off the driver. And um, I just think he's got, he's pretty, he's, like I said, second second in birdies are better on par fives and leading the driving distance by a mile. It's a perfect course fit. We know it's, it's probably one of the best course fits he actually has. He'd probably say that himself. So I just think he's got, I know I'm so saying pressure and all that kind of thing, but 
I'm just going, I'd be going with Rory now. My life depends on it. Yeah. It's, and you know what? Aside from all the betting, it would be a really cool thing as well, I think, especially after the heartbreak of the last major, of course, 150th Open at St. Andrews, etc. And he showed away, didn't he? He showed away back in, was it, two, was it 2011 or something? When he messed up on the town hall. When he, what was that, 12? Yeah, 11 or 12, wasn't it? Where, yeah, I mean, that was a, yeah, that was difficult to watch, wasn't it? Um, leading after 63 holes and not getting it done. Um, thank you very much, both Brian Nicholson, Sophie Walker. Sophie, by the way, you did mention that article. It's a good article. I've just pulled it up. I'm going to be reading it before I place my picks. Uh, pinnacle.com. And um, it's Sophie, you always write bits and pieces, don't you, for the Pinnacle uh, website around the majors. And this one is basically kind of going through the favourites and then obviously going into the outsider and best value and a couple of underdogs, one of them being Sung JM and also my outsider that I nicked off you in Tom Hokey. <laughs> uh, so there we go. And there's some of the good stuff on there as well. There's, um, you know, the wind affecting on, on golf betting and then also how important experiences in the golfing majors as well. We shall reconvene uh, for the next episode of Major Talk, but not after um, we've we've kind of dissected all this. So, so we're go- so we're going to round this episode off, and then we'll be back for the next major, um, the US PGA Championship. Am I right in saying that? Uh... The US PGA Championship, yes, absolutely, and then the US Open at LA Country Club. My my golf knowledge eluded me for a minute there. Um, Thanks so much, Brian Nicholson, Sophie Walker. That's all from us on the Pinnacle.com podcast. And uh, we'll speak to you all again soon. Thanks for listening.